Diagnosis is in. An unfortunate season-ending and perhaps career-threatening injury for Victor Oladipo. We'll talk about the latest on Depot and his impact on Miami's playoff run, plus the latest updates to injuries to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Jimmy Butler, and what adjustments to expect in Monday's Game 4. It's a special playoff edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code Locked On. The Heat have a chance to take a 3 1 lead in the series tonight in Miami. We're going to talk about what we expect the Bucks to do to adjust in a minute, but let's start with the latest on Victor Oladipo. Uh, The Heat announcing on Sunday afternoon that an MRI revealed that Oladipo suffered a torn patellar tendon in his left knee. Uh, We all remember when the injury occurred, game three uh, against the Bucs, late in that game, in the four minutes left in that fourth quarter. Just a really tough scene. David, you and I were at the arena immediately following uh, to watch the game and talked about it immediately after. Uh, and just sort of the the bittersweetness of of a big win to go up to one against yeah. Milwaukee, yeah. coupled with the fact that clearly uh, we knew that Oladipo's postseason was over. We didn't need the MRI results to know that, uh, but it is revealing that it's a it is a tear of that torn patellar tendon. I think that there was maybe some optimism that it wouldn't have been the full tear, but it does sound like it is. Uh, we'll get to how the Heat can replace him here in Game Four. And then some of the long-term things going with, going on with Oladipo, his player option, what this means for the the Heat's roster construction. But just let's start with the emotional component of it. Uh, now that we know the news, just yeah. again, I, I keep using this word, but just devastating, absolutely devastating, uh, and devastated for Vic. Yeah, uh, you said it would be it would require a miracle to see Victor Oladipo back in the series. I was optimistic and and hopeful that we you know, would get some kind of a positive diagnosis on Sunday that was unfortunately not the case and aside from all the basketball stuff and we will talk about that because I mean a lot of Heat fans want to hear about it but just to see a player who has gone through so much and faced so many different injuries and try to rebuild his career time and time again to suffer another setback like this I it's impossible to try and quantify it with words and to even understand what it is he's going through this is his life and everything he's known for 20 years to build to this moment, to have it taken away from him time and time again. And he'll come back in what shape or form, who knows, but I mean, he'll, he'll try to come back because that's just how he's yes. wired. That's how he's driven. It's just, it's so, it is devastating just to think about what he's gone through and an injury stuck in general, whether it's a first time injury or for depot, a recurring one, but damn, that's just it's really been, rough. It's been four years of this man, like four yeah. years of, optimism getting back on the court and then exactly then another tear and a setback and whatever and um yeah i you know it is fortunate i suppose that it's not on the right knee which was the one that has been surgically repaired um i have seen that out i I don't know man like i don't like a compensating right because like you well that's what happened you put so much pressure on the on the left leg because you're 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 still using that one and then all of a sudden that one weakens and tears. Right. It's just... I mean, to me, to me, it's a full body just breakdown. Right. Is what's happening to Victor Oladipo? He's 30 years old. 
He can't, yeah. these knees just can't stay healthy now because like you said, it's been years and years and years of trying to repair and get this right knee, get right, you know, get, uh, and get fixed. And like you said, it overcompensates on the left knee. And now you're just dealing with the overcompensation and the imbalances in the body and all this stuff. It's just, it's just tough, man. Like, I don't mean to be a total downer to start a Monday podcast, but geez, it, it, it really does. It just, it just sucks. And just the look yeah. on his face when he went down was just crushing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, a Paul over the audience too. Like you're trying to rejoice yeah. in what should be a, a, a really happy moment in season. You're blowing out at home the Milwaukee Bucks, and and to all of a sudden have to deal with that at the end there. It's just it definitely clouded over yep. everything. Well, let's move on to the basketball stuff because yeah. that's that's kind of the thing that the Heat have to deal with now, and, and specifically how you replace him because he was giving them good minutes in this matchup, uh, in this series. It wasn't a ton of minutes. He wasn't playing like 20 minutes a night. But specifically in game three, his on-ball pressure was so important. And I went back and watched the film after you and I obviously talked uh, immediately after the game on Saturday night. Um, and it's it's even more apparent watching the film what, what Oladipo was able to do. Uh, getting into the shirt of guys like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and some of the other role players on Milwaukee and creating turnovers. Uh, he did not get... I think he only got credited for like one steal, but you go back and watch it. Like there was a lot of deflections, a lot of 50, right. 50 balls, a lot of confusion that he was creating yep. on Milwaukee's side. Like he was responsible for way more than just that one turnover. Right. Um, so it's going to be hard to replace him. I think it falls on Kyle Lowry and Gabe Vincent, probably yep. stepping up a little bit more. The fortunate thing with the weirdness of this series, you know, the game one blowout, the game two blowout, the game three blowout is that Miami's starters, like core guys have not played a ton of minutes. So what I, I don't I know that the, we could talk about some other guys that they could bring off the bench, but I think you start with just playing the main guys more minutes yeah. with a chance to go up three one tonight. Yeah, the problem is that now with Victor Oladipo, whatever offense he provided was kind of a cherry on top. It was mostly about his defensive presence and the pressure he was putting on ball handlers, as you said, kind of leading to turnovers, not forcing them directly himself. And and so now Kyle and Gabe have to kind of step up in both regards. They've got to be able to produce some points because it can't just fall to Jimmy, especially with Tyler Hero. And so you need Kyle yeah. and Gabe to step up offensively, but they've also got to be able to muster enough energy to put that kind of pressure. And neither of them have that kind of speed, the elite closing speed, uh, the reaction time. It's not quite up to Jimmy Butler's, but at the same time, it's pretty effective nonetheless. They don't have it. Oladipo does. That's one thing he still maintained even throughout the injuries and comebacks and everything else like that. It's just that that speed, that quickness. And so it's hard to envision Gabe and Kyle being able to do both, but they're going to have to find some way. And that's why, you know, you talked about it. It might require a Haywood Highsmith, who's the only um, Caleb Martin. I think that's another option. He could play extended minutes too, because he's going to have to be able to pressure outside shooters and ball right. handlers and force them into the middle and see if they can clog things up a little bit, muck it up as they have so effectively in game three. Well, I don't know. It's a tough challenge for sure. Um, Like I said, I, the, the heat, they went what? 10 deep really at, at before garbage time with, with Victor Oladipo and, and Cody Zeller coming off the bench yeah. um, uh, against the bucks in game three. So you could just shorten the rotation. I, I do think we could see some Haywood Highsmith because he is a guy that has been able to put the clamps on other guys and, does like to play in guys' shirts and stuff like that. And I think the Heat, part of their game plan in game three, one of the big adjustments going from game two to game three, was to just be more physical defensively. Right. Really play up on those ball handlers, whether it's Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, or even just the shooters, right? Just to just to kind of get them out of rhythm on offense. And so Haywood Highsmith, we know, can do that. And he's got the length, the wingspan, all that kind of stuff. Uh, to be a little bit disruptive, I still do. 
I don't know that you want to count on somebody like Haywood I. Smith. We love Haywood yeah. I. Smith around these parts, but this is going to be, he's very green, no playoff uh, experience. And the Milwaukee Bucks, man, like with or without Giannis, that is an experienced veteran team. So it's, it could be a tough situation to throw him out there. But I do think that maybe in the first half, we see Spo just kind of throw it out and see he what can happens. can avoid foul trouble too. I yeah. think that's a huge thing because, I mean, he's going to get that unfriendly whistle just so he doesn't have that reputation in the playoffs you have to have that kind of veteran presence if he gets a little handsy you could see him pick up a couple fouls that could be a a swing factor in a close game too um but i want to go back to the minutes part of this too because you look at jimmy 30 he's averaging 33 minutes in this series max Struess 31 minutes and then outside of that nobody else uh in this series is averaging more than 30 minutes and again the blowouts are a big part of that but that's sort of the fortunate thing with how weird this series has been is you know, maybe they're a little bit more fresh going into a game four than you normally would be, especially against a physical, uh, physical team like Milwaukee. Bam's averaging 29 minutes. Caleb, 29 minutes. Gabe, 24 minutes. Kyle Lowry, only 21 and a half minutes in this series. So I think they could, uh, I think a lot of it's going to come down to Gabe uh, and, and Kyle Lowry maybe picking up their minutes, uh, especially we talked so much about defensively, offensively, no Oladipo, no Tyler Hero. That's one that's that now you're, you're down two ball handlers than what you had to start the series. So obviously having Gabe step up and Kyle Lowry step up would be huge. Kyle Lowry had 15 points. Was it Uh yeah. in game three off the bench? He was huge. So uh, just more goes on them. I think uh, when we, when it really gets down to it, uh, we've got more injury updates. Uh, plus what we learned from Chris Bosch in that situation several years ago, that could apply to Victor Oladipo and how the heat can move forward with him and his contract and what it means for their roster flexibility moving forward. We're going to talk about that next, but first, David, tell the listeners about our sponsor. Yeah, today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks and the new $1 million daily Super Flex promotion. Every day of the NBA playoffs and finals, one Price Picks unit will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. Who doesn't want that? One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day, and whoever places that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks, you get a million dollars. Five, you get $80,000. That's so great. And if you get four correct picks, it's sixteen grand. You can find full details over at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. And it's so easy to play prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. Entries are super fast. Payouts are super fast. You just... Pick two to six players against the projected numbers, and it's your chance to win. So go to prizepicks.com or download the Price Picks app today. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports made easy. And make sure you use the promo code locked on when you use the Price Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. This episode also brought to you by Nissan's most electric player of the week, which is brought to you by the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Well, not much to choose from, just so game three on Saturday. But there's no doubt about the electric player of the week. I thought about giving it to Duncan Robinson, considering his incredible performance off the bench. But you've got to go with Jimmy Butler, whose status is somewhat in doubt for Game Four, a crucial Game Four for Miami. But he was incredible and just a limited number of minutes. He only played 28 minutes in Game Three. Still had 30 points, 12 of 19 from the floor, doing it from the three-point line. So unexpected, just like the unexpected greatness and brilliantly fierce elegance of the Nissan Aria. Believe me. For people who love to drive, the Nissan Aria packs pin-to-your-seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. You're going to love it. It's the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Shop now at NissanUSA.com.
Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Every dayers will be back tonight, Monday night, with a recap immediately following Game 4. Also, we'll be back Wednesday morning uh, with a guest, Howard Beck, the esteemed uh, NBA writer, is going to join us to talk about this Heat Bucks series. But let's get back uh, to the Victor Oladipo stuff. Uh, quick injury notes, injury updates ahead of tonight's game. Giannis, still questionable. Uh, Mike Boonholzer is saying that uh, he did do some individual work before the team's film session uh, on Sunday afternoon, but did not have an update uh, for his status on game four. Again, questionable according to the official injury report. And then in regards to Jimmy Butler, he's listed as questionable with that uh, glute bruise on the injury report. And this is from Jeff Stotts of In Street Clothes, uh, basically reporting that the the average time lost for an in-season glute contusion is one game, but a majority of those cases resulted in no time lost at all. You and I expect Jimmy Butler to be available tonight. Uh, even if he is a little bit uh, bothered uh, with the injury, but we expect that he'll play uh, Giannis. Who knows, right? But it's getting to the point where you're kind of reading between the lines of these Boonholzer quotes, and you're like, nah, maybe not. I don't know. Like, there's not a whole lot of optimism uh, bouncing around those facilities for for the Bucks in regards to Giannis and his status. So we'll see. But obviously, it changes a lot uh, of things if he is able to go for for the do, Bucks. Do you, I, you know, we talked about Jimmy. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, we both think that he's going to play. Do you think there's that kind of same sense of desperation or energy around the Bucks because they kind of have to at this point? Like they can make adjustments, and we'll talk about that in the next segment. But I mean, bringing Giannis back is as big an adjustment as you're going to get. Yeah. And being down two one on the road again, I, I don't know that you want to put yourself in a position to go back to Milwaukee on three games to one. So this is do or die for them potentially. I mean, yeah. I know that seems a little dire, but no, uh, I mean, there, you, you're at risk of going down three, one in this series. Like if Giannis is going to play in this series, it kind of feels like tonight is the night. Look, you know, he wants to be out there. I, I he, he probably desperately wanted to be out there uh, in game two after the Bucks dropped game one in Milwaukee and lost home court. I mean, immediately after the first game of this series with Giannis getting hurt after just playing 11 minutes, like the stakes went up. It was a lot yep. riskier than a normal top seed versus eight seed, right? Like immediately this, the, the, the risk factor of this series for Milwaukee was, was heightened. And <laughs> the fact that Giannis has not played, uh, if I'm a Bucks fan, that would worry me right now, oh, because this sure. is a guy who plays through these things. Um, so we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, obviously, like you said, that the biggest adjustment is, is getting Giannis back potentially for them, but we will talk about some of the other things that they could do, but let's, uh, let's keep talking about Victor Oladipo. We, we talked about what this means for him. Uh, and just in his career, what the Heat could do immediately in game four. But going forward, you know, you and I had a conversation with Rowan Nuncarni of Sports Illustrated recently about how Victor Oladipo kind of holds the keys to Miami's flexibility this offseason in regards to uh, if he if he picks up that player option for nine and a half million dollars for next year, uh, what that means for Miami's cap situation. It kind of pushes them into that second luxury tax. It's a we have that. It's a good conversation. It's worth revisiting if you haven't listened to it. But um with this new information, uh, you actually brought this up, and I thought it was a really good point um, when when we first got the news and we were there and we, we were talking about it after the game on Saturday night, The how Chris Bosh and, and that situation could relate to this one. The fact that the Heat were able to sort of wipe Chris Bosh's salary off of their, their cap sheet um, because of um, you know, a rule in the CBA that allowed them to remove that long-term contract. Um, so I, we looked it up, uh, and, and here's basically what we – for the Heat, to qualify for that same exclusion and, and to remove Oladipo's nine and a half million dollar cap hit next, because he's going to pick up that option at this point. I, I no think doubt. that's that, yeah, no doubt. 
Uh, and we, we figured that even before the injury. So uh, what has to happen is a physician selected jointly by the NBA and the Players Association will have to determine that Oladipo's condition is severe enough to put him at risk of a, quote, life-threatening or permanently disabling injury that would end his career, okay? So the bar is really high. Victor Oladipo is 30 years old. This is considered a 6- to 12-month injury, probably closer to 12 months in Oladipo's case, given the history that we talked about. Career-ending, I, I don't think that there is a uh, uh, independent physician who would ever consider this career ending even if yeah. his career will never be the same right. I, there's no there's there's also no indication that he'll never step on a basketball court again right? right so um i have a very hard time thinking that this is going to apply to victor oladipo uh do you agree I, disagree I, no no i totally agree i i don't think it's career threatening um and that's a good thing for victor oladipo, for victor oladipo. Puts, yeah but it, it just puts miami in another financial pickle there and and you know for oladipo He's not going to play next season. We we can figure that out right now. Like there was already some early reporting, like you've mentioned, it could typically extend into a year for a player who has to rehab considerably. And so he is not going to play. I thought that there would still be able to apply for a medical hardship because you know you're you're basically you have a player who's going to miss a whole season. Perhaps I'm mistaken about that, but you're right. No, if but it, if it the falls... medical hardship, you get an exception for that, right? So okay. you're you might be able to get something in that regard, but considering how high, the, how close the heat are into that luxury tax already, like even enough. if they, even if they got the, the exception, you still have to pay Victor Oladipo the 9.5 million and then plus whatever the exception shows. So even if they got the exception, I have a hard time thinking that they would use it because mm -hmm. it would be so expensive because let's, let's just, let's call it five. I have no idea what it would be, but let's call it $5 million. Then you multiply that with the luxury tax, and now Mickey Harrison be, could be paying twenty million dollars for a luxury uh, for for some. Well, oh, I thought it would. Uh, I thought all the depots contract wouldn't count against the cap in that situation. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Also, we have this new CBA, so I'm not sure what the new rules are That's in these point. details. So I don't know. But either way, unless the Heat are able to somehow waive, I mean, you might right. be right. Maybe there is some sort of exception in the new CBA. But I haven't found anything that seems definite, definitive, and also the fact that Old Depot. Even if it's 12 months, that, that allows him the opportunity to potentially return. Like there's an op you know, there's an option for him to return in the playoffs next year. So I don't know that you could even say that the full season is out the window for him next year. You have no idea, right? So uh there's just a lot of gray area in this. So uh this is really tough if you're the Miami Heat, because the other part of this too is I don't think that they based on Victor Oladipo's season, we thought he was gonna pick up that nine and a half million dollars. But it was at least going to be an expiring contract next year that they could potentially move off of. And maybe that somebody else could use Victor Oladipo's pressure defense and things like that. Maybe there's a better fit. Uh, maybe there's some way to pay another team to take take his expiring salary. Because the Heat are going to have to create some sort of cap room, right? Like that, we know that. that that That's a given. Uh, and Oladipo's contract was one of those chunkier salaries that's at least expiring that could be movable. Um, that's not the case anymore. I have a really hard time thinking that there's a team out there that wants to pay Victor Oladipo to rehab. I just don't see it. So this becomes even more difficult for the Heat to deal with. So the other, the only other option, David, is that I could think of is waving and stretching them, which would be really brutal, uh, not just for Victor Oladipo, but also for Miami and their cap sheet because you would have to basically now pay Victor Oladipo over the next three years uh, a small portion of his salary sort of uh, you know distributed over those three years. Uh, it would lessen his cap hit for this upcoming season but then instead of it just becoming off the books completely, you're just going to be paying him for two more years a little bit, like $3 million or whatever it would be every year. And that would count against the cap, which not ideal, but might be the only option the Heat have.
Yeah, no, I, I think that's basically what it boils down to. I was just kind of looking into what the medical hardship is, and, and from what I could tell, it's allows you to sign a player temporarily, uh, uh, given that a you know a player is going to be, uh, you know, out for injury for a sustained period of time. There, so I don't think it's something that Miami. I, I mean, it's a it won't count against a cap or anything like that, but it won't be impactful either. So. All right, well, let's talk about how we expect the Bucks to adjust here in game four and why they might find somebody other than Drew Holiday to defend Jimmy Butler. We'll talk about that next, but first, today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Pro, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the coolest game I've played in a long time. I've always thought I could be a great NBA general manager, and it turns out it's not all that easy. If you've had some of the same thoughts and have fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, Go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of the franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build an historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with and challenging personalities, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training your players, making the draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, all of the ups and downs of multiple seasons. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want, when you want to. Uh, I'm awesome at this game. Uh, I've won three championships already. Uh, I had a Hall of Fame point guard who recently retired. He was kind of a like a big Chris Paul. You know, you, there were seasons there where he was averaging like 27 points per game for me, but he was mostly an assist guy. Got everybody involved, but he was like a Luka Doncic body with a Chris Paul style of play. He was amazing, and and I don't. It's gonna be tough to replace him now. That's kind of what I'm dealing with. It's a little bit of a rebuild, but I like the direction that we're going in. Um, for you guys, Locked On Heat listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out uh, to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app store. That's probasketballgm.com, ultimate probasketballgm. Start your dynasty today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Eat your first listen every day. Every day or find us tonight with a recap of game four right after the game. Then on Wednesday morning, we're going to be joined by Howard Beck to talk about the series. Uh, you can reach us, uh, Twitter, Instagram. You can email us, LockdownHeat at gmail.com. Uh, let's talk about adjustments that we expect to see from the Milwaukee Bucks here in game four. The Giannis thing is the biggest thing. If he plays, then they're a lot better. <laughs> if, if he doesn't play... I think there's other things that they are going to try to do and are maybe planning to do uh, given uh, the up in the air nature of, of Giannis's injury right now. So the number one thing I think for them is they're going to try to get into the paint more with Giannis or without him, uh, more pick and rolls to get Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton downhill, trying to get uh, Brooke Lopez mismatched against smaller guys, Max Strews, other guys like that. Uh, more often, the big thing in game three that he did was they sort of flattened out Milwaukee's def uh, offense um, didn't let them get into the paint. I think like 23% of their shots came in the restricted area when it was like 35% in game two. So, you know, right away that that's going to be a focus for Milwaukee is just trying to get in the paint more. How do they do it? Like I said, maybe a little bit more pick and roll, maybe some stuff higher up on the floor to get your guys going downhill. But overall, I just think just playing harder might be the thing for them to do. Who do you see as being the biggest threat uh, to attack the paint more? Because Holiday was active. Middleton always going to settle for that jump shot more than uh, not. And, and Lopez, I don't know. It all depends on whether or not Love is as apt to handling that matchup as he was on Saturday. I, I think Lopez is going to be an X factor for a different reason. But who do you see as being the biggest threat at attacking the rim? More Holiday pick and roll? I think Holiday and Lopez. Yeah, I think they're just going to try to get Brooke Lopez matched up again. I, the, the, really? He did a really good job of mixing up some of the matchups, specifically on Brooke Lopez. But one of the things yeah. I I really tried to point to people 
uh, was just the pressure that they put on the passers to make those out, uh, those entry passes to Brook Lopez way more yeah. difficult. Yeah. And uh, and I think that doubling plays... on Lopez too on the you know, before the catch and stuff like that. As, yeah. Or as soon as he had the ball in his hands, they would just double him. Yep. And so I think uh, maybe some triangle action even, right? To just get a third guy involved, it makes it harder to put two on the ball if you're kind of moving the ball side to side a little bit like that. And then you're able to get those post feeds into Brook Lopez. So we could see some triangle stuff from them just to get Lopez fed uh, down there. So that could be something, or they could just have Giannis and then he just does it whenever he wants. Yeah. Um, I, I but, saw, I thought Lopez stretching the floor was going to be more of a factor. Like they have really hmm. gone away from that, but I, I, you know, his, his shot attempts from behind the arc are down 66% from the regular season. He averages almost five during the regular season. He's down to just less than two. And so I wonder if, you know, in those same pick and pop situations, maybe he can go space out, take a couple steps behind the line, maybe draw, uh, a defender that way, so Holiday or whomever as a ball handler would be able to attack the paint a little bit more effectively. But if he kicks it out to Lopez, like, I mean, that's a dangerous threat from the three-point line. I don't see why he it hasn't been utilized as much of a weapon. Probably but. because they've had the matchup with Max Struess on him, and they're not, like, worried about – because you want to space the floor in part also to to create paint opportunities for your guards. But I don't think anybody like Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton is worried about going up against Max Struess in the paint. No. So it's not exactly like he's – pulling bam out of bio out of there um so i don't know maybe that's part of it but to your point also like three points are worth more than two so maybe you do want to get him involved offensively with more of that um and then the other part of him too is like he's been he's pretty good attacking closeouts right yeah. so you can kind of get him rumbling downhill that way maybe that's a little bit more of a momentum kind of flow offense for them as opposed to just trying to feed him in the post over and over again so maybe there's maybe there's something to that too um they got to find a way to stop Jimmy Butler, right? Like, I think if you're Milwaukee, a big part of your film session is how do we stop this guy? Uh, you had the stat earlier. I think you said like 30 points a game on 60% shooting for the series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders, if not the best perimeter defender in the NBA. And Jimmy Butler has been eating his lunch, man. Uh, I looked it up in this series. Jimmy Butler, uh, when guarded against Drew Holiday, is 13 of 23. So he's shooting 56.5% overall. And he's got five assists and just three turnovers over the three games that they've played. I mean, he's been amazing. Uh, and it's been Holiday basically taking 90% of the minutes. Like, they don't switch Holiday off of Jimmy Butler. Um, they're not a very switch-happy defense in the first place. So they, they just stick Holiday on Jimmy Butler. But as good as I think Holiday has actually been, I, I think these stats are almost painting Holiday in a bad way because I think this defense has been pretty good, right? He's just like Jimmy Butler's just bigger, taller, stronger. And just kind of shoots Better. over him. I tweeted some of the clips on Sunday morning. Like, there's just nothing Jill Holiday could do against him. So I I do wonder what they are going to do with that matchup. Because they can't let Jimmy Butler do what he's been doing and getting in the rhythm that he's been getting into. So, again, if I'm the Bucs, that's, that's probably a big part of my film session is trying to figure out how you, you could slow that guy. I got two ideas yeah. for you. Yeah. I think number one, and you kind of hinted at it, I think, after the game, was are you going to just let him shoot those threes? You know, and I think part of it is um, if you're going to go under on those screens, yeah, it opens up Jimmy Butler to go four or four from three-point range, I guess, like once in a blue moon. But the bigger part of it is um, it, it kind of lets him get downhill. And and you kind of hear some of the quotes from practice after uh, uh, when the Bucks were talking to the media on Sunday afternoon. And it sounds like they're going to maybe go over those screens now yeah. with Drew Holiday. Like he's going to be allowed to fight over, uh, fight over that screen and, and just kind of keep that – uh, keep a body on Jimmy Butler, just kind of rough him up and try to make it more physical a game than it already is. So I think that's part of it. Um, and the other thing is, like, would they try Chris Middleton on him? 
just mm. for the size. I don't think Middleton is as good of a defender as Drew Holiday. He's not the defender no. that he once was even two years ago. Um, but just to have a little bit more size on, on Jimmy Butler, just so he has to shoot over something right now. So those are my two ideas if I were the Bucks. Yeah, I could see that, but I don't think he has the speed. So we're going to see Jimmy just driving and attacking Middleton, getting him into foul trouble, and he's too vital to their offense, especially if, if Adedekumpo doesn't play. Uh, I don't know. If you send a double, I mean – kind of force somebody else like you're not giving up those three pointers to Jimmy just because you don't want to take that chance but you know I don't see anybody else going four or four from behind the line you know maybe if you did a double and kind of put it in, in Max Struess's hands but we saw him go off in game one too so I mean it's a pick your poison kind of thing but I, I don't know that Miami's shooting is replicable from what we saw in games one and three I know already we're looking at a 66 percent you know, yep. a sample of the three-game series, but it's still, like, you can't expect Miami to continue shooting at that incredible level. Like, they just haven't been there that year, even though they were trending in that general direction. I know that there's – even Spo mentioned it post-game, right? He's like, oh, well, we've been one of the better shooting teams. Yeah, but not 50%, not 60% like they did in game one. Like, that's – it's just not, it's untenable. So, uh, I don't know. You've got to find a way to, to keep Jimmy out from attacking the paint if you're Milwaukee. But, you know, I, I don't see them finding a way to stop him either. He's just – He's been too good this year. Well, if, if if they do fight over those screens and everything like that, um, you know, I wonder if you almost risk opening up the paint more. You know, that's the reason why you go under on those screens. So if if you're going over to those screens and keeping a bot, if you're Drew Holiday and you're keeping your body on Jimmy Butler as much as possible, yeah, maybe you're playing physical with him. But I don't think Jimmy cares. You know, no. like I, <laughs> he and likes now it. you're and now he you're and it. now you're putting Brooke Lopez in that position where he has to in that drop coverage really corral Jimmy Butler, and now you're maybe. Maybe Jimmy gets into those mid-range looks a little bit more. And yeah. maybe if you're Milwaukee, you want that as opposed to him getting to the paint all the way. But um, now everything opens up backdoor. It's putting a lot of pressure. It's putting guys in rotation in Milwaukee's defense. And if if Miami shoots anything like they shot in game one and game three, then then, then that's a lot of trouble if you're the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks. But maybe that's the other thing is that you just say, all right, do it again. Take chances. You know, yeah. like, yeah, do it again. Um, anything else? Uh, that you expect on this to me it, it comes down to those kinds of things it comes down to them closing out harder I think like it's the same thing we saw from game two to game three you and I talked about just play better if you're the Miami Heat right like close out better win those 50-50 balls like just just box out stronger all that kind of stuff and it felt like they did that in game three and the Milwaukee Bucks in the first game in Miami in the series didn't really do that um, yeah. and so you expect to get a better punch from them in game four no matter what yeah, and, and Miami's ability to handle that, their resiliency that we have not seen from them consistently over the course of the regular season, it's going to be tested as it never has. Like, this is a, you know, we talked about it. Milwaukee is in a desperate situation wanting to even up the series before they go back home so they can have a chance to close it out. And for Miami, a team that struggles showing that kind of tenacity and willingness to, to you know, rise to the challenge, to have that sense of urgency, you wonder how they'll respond, especially without Victor Oladipo to provide the defensive energy that he brought into game three. So they're going to be challenged on so many different fronts and it's up to Jimmy Kyle. I, I'm counting on a big game from him, or at least I think Miami has to get a big game from him. Not just from, offensive, from Lowry? defensive. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's, he's got to provide that leadership. This is, this is why he is a hall of fame type point guard. And I was, yep. you know, a lot of heat fans will doubt that statement, but it's about, um, and, and he has to be able to step up in these situations and provide momentum-shifting plays on, on both sides of the ball. We'll see what happens. Game four tonight in Miami. We are going to be there. We will uh, be recording live uh, from the arena right after the yep. game. Uh, so make sure to check that out on YouTube and wherever it is that you get your podcast. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat. 
your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube every day. Or find us tonight with a recap of Game 4 right after the game. And then on Wednesday morning, we'll be joined by Howard back to talk about the series. David, talk to you tonight. You got it, Wes.